go. Third and goal. They gave it to Detroit. He laid oh, the ball. He laid in and lost the football. Matt Scribble at the bottom of the pile. Let's see who has it. Can't believe it. You have got to be kidding me. The snap. The kick for the win. It's he good. It. Dolphins win it in overtime. And Kenyon Drake says hallelujah. That is a great feeling. Dolphins what? remain unbeaten here at home. What a game. What a game. Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. What a game. Holy shit. What a game. We are we are recording this episode mere minutes after the Miami Dolphins somehow went from agony to ecstasy in overtime to defeat the Chicago Bears and move up to a 4 and 2 record temporarily reclaiming their sole uh sole position on top of the AFC East. This was one of those football games that I think if you're a neutral, you absolutely loved it. I think if you were uh, a fan that didn't really have a stake in the game or didn't have a dog in the fight, this was the kind of game that you absolutely enjoyed. As a Dolphin fan, this game was absolute torture. It was it went went from the Dolphins more or less controlling the game, although they couldn't quite get out to a big, big lead. They staked themselves to a 7 nothing lead early, and uh, that was the score going into halftime. And they, But they seemed to have found a way to shut down the Bears' offense, and they were just sort of cruising. And then in the second half, suddenly the Bears' offense awoke and went crazy. And it just seemed like the Dolphins could not get a stop to save their lives. And the Dolphins' offense was sputtering, ending up settling for field goals. So we were trading touchdowns for field goals for a little while. And then down by eight with the Bears driving, Mitch Trubisky throws an interception in the end zone. We knew that was something that he was going to be capable of. We knew he was capable of throwing that big interception. He does. The Dolphins pick it off. They go all the way down the field. Uh, managed to finally have some big-time success in the screen game, throwing screens to Albert Wilson, who ended up with uh, almost 160 receiving yards in this game. It was uh, truly remarkable. They go down the field, they score the touchdown, they convert on the two-point conversion to tie the game. 
The Bears come right back, go drive right back down the field and score yet another touchdown. And at that point, Brain, I felt like, okay, I think, I think that's probably it. I just don't know that we've got another answer in us. But then here comes Brock. Brock Osweiler starting for the injured Ryan Tannehill comes in, fires off another screen to Albert Wilson, goes 75 yards to the house, ties the game. Then, and and it's still not over yet, because then the Bears get the ball back with a chance to go down and win the game on their own, and it looked like they maybe were going to do that, but then they find Tariq Cohen, who had himself another big game today. Uh, Tariq Cohen catches a pass over the middle and is hit by Kiko Alonso and fumbles the ball, allowing the Dolphins to recover it with about two minutes to go at the Bears' 45-yard line. The Dolphins do nothing with the possession in very same old Dolphins fashion. Uh, they end up punting it away. The Bears don't try anything fancy in the last few moments. It goes to overtime on the opening possession of overtime. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you probably are well aware of this, but I figured we might as well just recap it for you because we're fresh off it just happening. The Dolphins drive all the way down the field on the back of Frank Gore. Frank Gore becomes the first player to rush for 100 yards against this Bears defense this season. First Dolphin player to run for 100 yards this season in a game. 15 carries, 101 yards, um, including a 32-yarder that he... uh, that he ran on this uh, final on that first possession of overtime. Dolphins get all the way down to the seven yard line on that run. First and goal from the seven. Uh, Dolphins get very close, end up in a third and goal at the one. And you're just at this point, we're all just saying, just please, just run the ball, just run the ball, just poke it in, just line. I, I was thinking, just sneak it, just have. Brock Osweiler, you know, follow the center, or better yet, just give it to Frank Gore, let him run it in. Instead, they go into the shotgun, which is an interesting call. Kenyon Drake is in for Frank Gore, who's pretty gassed, having run down the entire field, basically. Uh, Kenyon Drake gets the ball, and a la Sammy Smith in the early 90s, fumbles the ball at the goal line. The Bears recover it. And at that moment, you just felt the air go out of the building. Well, for some of the building, there were a, a very healthy dose of uh, Chicago Bears fans in Hard Rock Stadium today. So Dolphins fumble the ball away at the one-yard line. Uh, the Bears recover it. They rule that it was recovered in the end zone. So the Bears start at their own 20-yard line. They promptly drive down the field and get themselves set up for a 52-yard field goal. And in comes Cody Parkey, the lifelong Miami Dolphins fan and former Miami Dolphin, with an opportunity to win the game for his Chicago Bears over his Miami Dolphins. And what we found out was that Cody Parkey is, in fact, a true Miami Dolphin fan because he shanks his 52-yard field goal, misses it wide. The Dolphins get the ball back, move down the field. Kenyon Drake gets a chance at redemption. Frank Gore didn't come back into the game. It was Kenyon Drake on that final drive who got the ball and brought the Dolphins down into position for a 47-yard field goal. Uh, the final play to really get them into position was a pass to the sideline to Danny Amendola, who didn't quite get out of bounds. I think ideally he gets a first down there and the Dolphins can run a couple more plays and get themselves a little bit closer. He doesn't get the first down. He also doesn't get out of bounds. So the Dolphins end up clocking it with three seconds left. And on fourth down, in comes Jason Sanders to kick the 47-yard game-winning field goal. And your Miami Dolphins 
are a four and two football team. Brand, this was thrilling. This was a a freaking roller coaster ride. I mean, I I don't know how to feel about this. I I don't know. I I still don't know if we're any good. I don't know if we deserve to win. I don't know if we deserve to lose. But at the end of the day, you figured out a way to come to come up with a victory. You're four and two. At the very worst, you're still going to be tied for first place. You're now three and zero at home, and next week you've got the Lions coming in, and you're going to be favored to win that game. So there's a very good chance that this team is going to be five and two after next week. And I still don't know that I do want to say. I do want to say that we predicted the Dolphins might beat the Bears and then lose to Detroit next week. That would be the thing to do. That would be the the same old Dolphins thing to do. But it would all, I mean, there's a lot of different ways the Dolphins could play this and still be the same old Dolphins because they could win that game and be five and two. And then everybody is like for sure bought in like they were two weeks ago. <laughs> and then that's when the bottom falls out. Uh, but look, it's a good win. It, it's, it's a puzzling win. It's one that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's hard to wrap your head around, especially fresh off of it because for a for a half of the game the dolphins defense was great save for one possession that the bears had uh where they drove down the field and fumbled at the goal line which was the the early sammy smith moment of the football game uh committed by the bears and jordan howard Save for that one drive by the Bears in the first half, the Dolphins' defense absolutely shut the Bears down. And yet, it was a 7 nothing game, and this had all the makings of, this is going to be a low-scoring game, this might be a race to 20, this might be a race to 17. And second half, uh, all of a sudden, Osweiler looks terrible. All of a sudden, the Dolphins can't get a stop. The Bears start attacking Tory McTire. He can't. I mean, uh, on a couple of the big plays, he had good coverage, just didn't get his head around, or it just happened to be a great throw and catch. But on a couple of them, he was just flat out beat. And the Bears were abusing him. Dolphins had to put in Cordrea Tankersley to replace McTire. He... I guess didn't give up quite as many big plays, but it's not like he was shutting anybody down. All of a sudden, we couldn't stop Tariq Cohen. Yet somehow the Dolphins' offense ended up waking up against the Bears' elite defense. And, you know, you you and I were talking off-air before the game about the maybe the unsung heroes of this game, and it's often the case when, when this group plays well, they tend to be the unsung heroes. The offensive line of the Miami Dolphins had their way with arguably the best front seven in the National Football League. Uh, Khalil Mack was virtually non-existent in this game. Uh, The Dolphins ran the ball effectively. Uh, I don't believe the Bears had a sack in this game. No, Brock Osweiler wasn't sacked. He was rarely pressured. The Dolphins' offensive line was, you know, gets an A, if not an A-plus in this game, which I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. Even if you said, well, you know, Juwan James, 
did a great job against Khalil Mack last year when Mack was in Oakland. And even if you thought that they could contain Khalil Mack, I don't think anybody thought that the Dolphins were going to come into this game and run for over 160 yards, that it was going to be Brock Osweiler who... Did anybody predict coming into this game that the Dolphins were going to end up with over 500 yards of total offense? 541 yards of total offense for the Miami Dolphins against the best defense in the National Football League. With Brock Osweiler. With Brock Osweiler as your quarterback. What a time to be alive. It's unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense. This is one of those games where occasionally you have these games where... In the grand scheme of things, they just, they're aberrations. And they just, you know, the, the flow of the games, things happen, and you just look back at it and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like that Bills Vikings game a couple weeks ago, you know, where yeah. the, the, the Bills are this awful team and the Vikings look like a Super Bowl contender, and the game is in Minnesota. And Buffalo goes in and beats them like 27 to nothing. And you're just, how did this happen? How did this happen? And this, that's what this game is. This is one that I, I mean, I don't know how good this bears team is. I I don't know. I, I tend to think they're as fraudulent as the dolphins are. I think this is a pair of mediocre teams that at times will play very well. And at times will play, you know, really sloppy and look terrible, but by and large play play a lot better at home than they do on the road. And I think that's the story with both of these teams. I think there are a couple of mediocre teams that the difference in this game is that the Dolphins were at home. But then, you know, the difference in this game, I mean, the Bears could have easily won this game. They had opportunities to put this game away. The Dolphins had opportunities to put this game away. Then the Bears had an opportunity to win the game. They blew it. Dolphins had an opportunity to win. They blew it. Nobody wanted to win this freaking game. Yeah, it, and it really did feel like maybe this was headed to be a tie, but it ended up— It should up- have been a tie. That would have been the only sensible result in this game. That would have been the only thing that would have made sense is if Jason Sanders missed that kick and this game ended in a tie. Yeah, you could certainly say that, but at, at the end of the day, it didn't end up a tie. It ended up with the Miami Dolphins on top. And the Miami Woo! Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins are four and two with a with an incredible and improbable thirty-one to twenty-eight victory over the Chicago Bears. And uh, in the in the in the words of that hippie on whatever substance he was on when he saw that double rainbow, what does it mean? Well, let's talk about what does it mean? Let's let's talk about what it means. Um, well, let's start start as we always do with positives and negatives. Um, I guess let's start with our negatives because there are quite a bit of positives and, and some of them are going to develop into other conversations as the week carries on. But let's start with the with the negatives. And obviously the negatives here, I think the biggest one is that this defense was largely gashed by Chicago's offense in the second half. Whether they were running the ball or whether they were passing the ball, this Dolphins defense had a really hard time dealing with it. Now, at the end of the day, they came up with two giant turnovers that really helped swing the game. Um, But, you know, for the most part in the second half, 
the Bears offense had their way with the Dolphins defense. And in particular, Tory McTire was just a dumpster fire all day long. Trubisky was picking on him. And uh geez, Tyler Gabriel was just just roasting, just roasting Tory McTire. And it makes you wonder. Why is Cordrea Tankersley even on the team if they never brought him in to try to to try to well, spell Tory McTire? They did bring him. Oh, in. did they bring him in towards the end? So yeah. I, I was. Well, yeah, they brought they brought him in after Gabriel's last big play, and then Tankersley Tankersley actually finished the game. And what it looked like to me at that point is that Tankersley made it made a concerted effort to give Gabriel about a ten yard cushion. And then it became it said, well, all right, look, it, if Trubisky's gonna hit like a like a eight to ten yard, you know, out route or you know, anything ten yards and in, it's like, we'll give it to him. And Trubisky, I guess, didn't feel like that was worth taking the bait. He would rather throw the deep route. Tankersley at least stemmed that. He stopped giving up. And I, I'd have to go back and look at the all twenty-two to to really look at the tape to see if the Dolphins started shading coverage over there. That I don't know. I couldn't tell from watching it on TV if if the Dolphins started to, you know, whether it was Rashad Jones or uh or, you know, maybe Fitzpatrick or or McDonald, if they if they started to shade a safety over there just to kind of, you know, uh keep Trubisky from even trying it because it became very obvious that Trubisky wasn't even looking to attack Xavier Howard. It was just whoever McTire is covering, whoever Tankersley is covering, or whoever uh, ends up on Tariq Cohen, whatever linebacker ends up on Tariq Cohen. It, it was a clear game plan. It was, we're going after the Dolphins' second corner. We're not going after Minka. We're not going after Xavier Howard. And we're trying to get Tariq Cohen lined up on a linebacker. And if we get one of those two things, that's where we're going every time. And it worked. And that's really your negative because that's that's nothing new. That is where this Dolphins defense is vulnerable. Uh, they're vulnerable with their coverage from their linebackers. Uh, I, you, you saw... Not just Tariq Cohen, but uh, on the touchdown by Anthony Miller on a third and nine where he gets just wide open because the Dolphins are in too deep coverage and in cover two and Raquan McMillan gets nowhere near deep enough to, to defend the pass and just gets stuck in no man's land where you're you're not deep enough to cover the pass and you're not really in a position to, to stop the run. You're just in a useless position spot you know the, the where linebackers call no man's land and that's where he got caught on on Anthony Miller's touchdown but he is a liability in coverage uh you know Jerome Baker has been good in coverage Tariq Cohen is not an easy guy to cover but this is a theme anytime we go up against a team that has a very good pass catching back with any kind of speed it presents a monster problem for the Dolphins, and they just cannot stop it. So that continues to be a problem. The second corner, uh, at least on the boundary, that remains a problem. And I don't know that that's anything that's going to be fixed because I don't know that we have the personnel to fix it. So that's the negative. The negative is those things just keep happening. Another negative is that this defense also shows a 
an unfortunate propensity for committing penalties on third downs when they have opportunities to get off the field. It's one of those nagging little problems. Um, and, and some of it was, there was some questionable officiating here. You hate to blame anything on the officials uh, because there's often, you know, when you're blaming the officials for something, there's often a dozen or so things that your team is doing wrong that you're overlooking. Um, and there were plenty of things that the Dolphins did wrong, but among them is committing those those silly penalties on third downs some of them that were just really unnecessary. So that's a negative that I, I would say um, that continues. And here's here's another negative that I noticed, and, and it's about Kenyon Drake, and it's not necessarily about the fumble. It's really not about the fumble at the end. The fumble is, it's unfortunate, and I, I mean, you can question that play call, but my my issue with Kenyon Drake is that he is often looking to hit the home run every time every time he's looking to hit the home run and what ends up happening is that where he could have a six or seven yard gain he's dancing if he just plows forward he's looking to dance around and he ends up only getting two or three yards and that's one of those things that puts the puts the Dolphins behind the eight ball because this offense really is not meant to be dealing with those third and long situations as we've seen so many times um, and so that's something that is is starting to bother me, but it also seems that it's something that Adam Gase has noticed, and that's the reason that you're seeing Kenyon or Kenyon Drake, Frank, Frank Gore, really become the primary running back for the Miami Dolphins, particularly on early down situations, because Frank Gore is going to head head right through the middle, and he's going to get you seven or eight yards just running straight up and down, and that's something that Kenyon Drake just struggles with. And it's something that is frustrating to me. There were a couple of times today where I saw that happen that I just wish I was like, you had a, you had a four or five yard gain right there. And instead you danced around, you end up with two yards or less. Um, so it's a frustrating thing with Kenyon Drake. And hopefully it's something that, I mean, you don't want to mitigate his big playability because every once in a while that dancing around is going to yield something great. But what's happening is that it's not yielding something great often enough to make those little moves pay off. So it's it's just a little bit frustrating is all as far as uh as far as that goes. So that's that's another negative that I have. Brain, were there any any other negatives for you before we move on to the good stuff? Um uh, no, I think that covered it. Let's move on to the goodies. Let's move on to the good stuff. I think uh, like we said at the beginning, first and foremost the heroes of this game is the Miami Dolphins offensive line. These guys came to play today and they were much maligned following their performance in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati. And granted, part of that was Sam Young, who was cut earlier this weekend because obviously his performance was just completely unacceptable. But this Dolphins offensive line bounced back in a big way with their best performance since week one of the season. Uh, Brock Osweiler, I don't know that he was even really hurried in this game. He ended up with a pretty clean jersey by the end of it, was not sacked at all. And this prolific, vaunted Bears defense was unable to register a sack. Now, part of it may have been that Khalil Mack, uh, he tweaked his ankle or his knee at some point in the first half of this game, which... You know, somebody may, somebody on this podcast may have predicted that Khalil Mack would get hurt, although it, it did, it didn't take him out of the game. So he stayed in. But, uh, either way, this Dolphins offensive line, just an admirable, gutsy performance today. And really, I think 
I just don't know that there's any other way to say it, that they're the heroes of this game. I mean, obviously, the next person that we're going to talk about is is a very big runner-up in that conversation for hero of the day, but really got to give a shout-out to the offensive line here, Brain. Yeah, absolutely. They, Like I said, they totally uh, dominated their matchup against the Bears' defensive line, and that was probably the scariest matchup coming into this game was, geez, how are we going to be able to block these guys? And we didn't just could just hold our own. We we won the matchup in the trenches. And I don't think anybody expected that. And I don't think anybody even even hoped for that. I think the the hope was that we would just be serviceable enough and be able to slow them down with screens and draws and that the defense would do a good enough job that we could probably win this game by scoring 16 or 17 points. That was probably the hope. That was my hope, uh, and I, I feel like I was in the majority on that. This was completely unexpected. It, re- it really was, and it was fantastic. And their performance allowed the next guy that we're going to talk about to succeed, and that's Brock Osweiler. Um, he did, I think, a really great job of managing this game. He didn't do anything. He didn't take any huge risks. Obviously, he d- he did throw it in his one attempt to to throw the long ball late in the first half. He threw an interception, and then he threw a pretty awful pick um, earlier early in the second half that allowed the that resulted in the Bears turning around on the very next offensive play and taking the lead, but. For the most part, this was just a great game management performance by Brock Osweiler. He did exactly what you needed him to do. He ended up going 28 of 44 for 380 yards and three touchdowns. Did throw the two interceptions, but ended up with a QB rating of 94.9 on the game. I just think a really, really solid performance by Brock Osweiler coming in and and uh, filling in for Ryan Tannehill, who's got that shoulder injury. And I think there's going to be conversation, Brain, about whether there is now a quarterback controversy in Miami. And just with my experience of knowing who Adam Gase is and knowing sort of the way that he thinks, I really don't think there is a quarterback controversy because I really do believe that Ryan Tannehill is his starting quarterback and Ryan Tannehill is going, if Ryan Tannehill is healthy, he is going to be the starting quarterback for this Miami Dolphins team. However, the big thing here going forward is if Ryan Tannehill is dealing with an injury with his shoulder and it is, and it is causing him you know, discomfort and he's not able to be a hundred percent or even, you know, 75, 80%. Brock Osweiler's performance today allows you to go, okay, we don't need to rush Ryan Tannehill back in here. We can let him take the time that he needs to get his shoulder healed and taken care of and in get him back to a place where he's comfortable throwing the ball. I truly believe that is what we're looking at here. Um, So Brock Osweiler may have an opera, may have given himself an opportunity to continue spelling Ryan Tannehill for a little while. But I think when Tannehill is fully healthy again, Tannehill's taking back over his position. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's actually, it's quite remarkable how much, this time, where we're at right now, 
is so similar to where we were at this exact time last year. Six games in. Game six last year. Dolphins three and two with a home game. Jay Cutler gets hurt. Matt Moore comes in, leads the Dolphins from behind, and the Dolphins win a game 31 to 28 to go four and two. And all of a sudden there is a quarterback controversy. And what we hope, now granted, the, this Dolphins team has a home game against the, against the Lions. Last year it was a road game that followed at the Ravens. You would hope that the Dolphins will not lose next week 40 to nothing. But it is just a reminder that as great as it feels to be four and two right now and feel like everything is going well and to also, you know, maybe you've, if you, if you are not a Tannehill fan and you were like, Hey, Brock Osweiler is better. And you think Brock Osweiler is the guy to go with from now on. Just a reminder that last year we were in a very similar spot at four and two and people saying Matt Moore, Look, Matt Moore is the guy. We told you we weren't high on Cutler, and Matt Moore is the guy. And then the next week we lost 40 to nothing. Uh, so that's how quickly things can change. And that's how the narratives are going crazy on this team. And you have to keep an even keel or else you will go absolutely insane with this Dolphins team. Because, look, they've been the same team now more or less for the last what 15 18 years or so let's let's not get look it, it feels good to win this game it feels distinctly better there is to no win doubt this about game, that. absolutely to win this game than to have lost this game uh because we would be we'd be depressed and we'd be feeling like the season is absolutely falling apart uh had we lost this game which you can make a, an argument you, you make a very convincing argument that we should have lost this game. Uh, but let's let's calm down with the narratives. Let's calm down with the quarterback controversy. The thing that I take out of this is that whether you believe that Ryan Tannehill should be the starting quarterback or that Brock Osweiler should be the starting quarterback, you have to admit either way that there's an argument to be made for either side and that there's a debate to be had and that it's not an easy decision. And that tells you everything you need to know about the Dolphins quarterback position, because we know at this point that Brock Osweiler is not a franchise quarterback. And so if you have been one of these Tannehill diehards that believes that Tannehill is a franchise quarterback. What you saw in this game, and yes, it's just a one-game sample and you can't overreact to it, but really you see it. There is not an appreciable difference between Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler. That Tannehill is, might that be is, better, yes, that's but he's not significantly better, and that is everything that you need to know, and that tells you that... You can't be paying this guy $26 million next year to exactly. be a quarterback. 
Exactly. That was something that I I commented about it. I made the comment on Twitter is that this offense looks remarkably similar with Brock Osweiler at the helm than it as it does when Ryan Tannehill is at the helm. And and it really says that for this offense to truly work, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is if if you don't have a game-changing type quarterback. And and obviously Brock Osweiler is not a game-changing type quarterback and Ryan Tannehill is not a game-changing type quarterback. All you need is somebody who can go in there and manage the game and hopefully not make too many costly mistakes. Obviously, you need what you need is to be able to run the ball and you need to find a way to create a couple of big plays. And that's been the recipe uh, for this team whenever they've won, really. It's been finding ways to come up with big plays, uh, even if they're gadget plays. It's it's finding ways to come up with some big plays and being able to run the football. And it's not, you know, it's never going to be, at least in, unless they are able to draft or find a free agent quarterback that falls into their lap in free agency, they they can win if they can do those things consistently. It's just not something that they've been able to do consistently because they haven't been able to run the ball consistently this season. And frankly, Albert Wilson, I don't know how this guy isn't on the field every single play. Because the guy is a big play waiting to happen, yet coming into this game, he's running 18 routes per game. He's basically on the field half of the offensive plays. And I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, he really does need to be out there a lot more than he has been. Um, and because he is, he is a big play guy. And as we've said, the key to the Dolphins' success is being able to run the ball. And that's something that they were absolutely able to do today. And you got to give it up to both guys. Frank Gore, 101 yards on 15 carries. Kenyon Drake, 57 yards on 13 carries. So, I mean, they that's a 6.7 yards per carry for Frank Gore and 4.4 yards per carry for Kenyon Drake. Both very good. Um, neither team's run defense looked particularly impressive today, but the Dolphins were able to run the ball very well. And I think that brings me to my, my last real big positive point here, which is that Frank Gore is now the lead running back for this Miami Dolphins team, and I, I don't know that there's any doubt about it. Kenyon Drake is certainly a guy who has value, and he's he's very good. He can be very good, I should say, in passing downs. But when it comes to straight running situations, Frank Gore is your guy because he is going to get you the yards you need, and he's not going to be fancy. He's not going to be spectacular about it. He's just going to put his head down and get you the yards, and oftentimes that's what you need, and that's what he did today, and that's what allowed the Dolphins to succeed in this game. So uh, a very a very good performance from Frank Gore and the uh, and the Miami Dolphins running game tonight. Yeah, and and you hit the nail on the head as far as sometimes you just need to be able to consistently pick up positive yardage and need to be able to come up with a four yard gain on first down instead of 
uh, trying to bounce everything to the outside to try to hit that home run. And then, you know, you're running the ball on whether, you know, if you're running on first in 10 and you end up running for one yard or no gain because you could have had three or four, but instead you tried to bounce it to the outside or even worse, you're running the ball on second and 10 and you do that. And instead of a third and manageable situation, you end up with second or with a third and long situation, which that's death to this team. And uh, I'll say one more positive. If there was one area where I thought Brock Osweiler played better than Ryan Tannehill in this game, third downs. Uh, he made some big-time throws on third downs, and not just third and manageable, but third and long situations where he was able to, to – and, and granted, the offensive line, it starts up front with the protection that they gave him. But he stood in there. He 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 made some big time throws. He even made a couple of big time throws where he stood in there and took a big hit. Uh, but look, Osweiler made a couple of throws that were oh, just before he mind bogglingly mind bogglingly bad. Before he and, threw that interception at the end of the first half, the Dolphins found themselves at a third down and ten at their own 44-yard line, and Brock Osweiler threw the ball right over the middle for 11 yards right to Danny Amendola, beyond the sticks for a first down. And took a big hit on the play. Yeah. And it's like, that's the kind of play if you really want to get into it and, and make the argument for Brock Osweiler, that's the kind of play that you don't see Tannehill make. Tannehill almost always on a third and long ends up checking down and throwing the ball short of the sticks. The difference between a quarterback who's willing to throw the ball to the first down marker and a quarterback who's not is is pretty significant. So I think that's a, another big area of, of positive note from this game. Yeah, and well, and Danny Amendola. How about Danny Amendola? This was by far his best game as a Dolphin. Um, so, you know, Brock Osweiler got him involved. Uh, I think he led the Dolphins in in targets and receptions in this game. Uh, yeah, he, he became more a part of this offense than we've seen, and that's really what we were expecting is, is for Danny Amendola to be a guy that gets – you know, seven, eight, nine, ten targets a game. And we haven't seen that for whatever reason. Uh, but it's nice to see that uh, that signing paid off a little bit. And I think you just, you got to have, uh, you know, whether it, if Stills is your number one guy and he's the guy that's going to be playing uh, your, your like X receiver and he he's your number one guy. Well, I think you need to go three receivers a lot. And I think Albert Wilson needs to be your number two receiver and uh, Amendola needs to be in the slot or sometimes Amendola can play the boundary and, and Wilson's going to be in the slot. But I think you need to get those three guys on the field more because those are your playmakers. Look, Devontae Parker, it wasn't his fault that that ball got intercepted at the end of the first half when he ran the nine route and Osweiler, instead of throwing it to the outer, you know, towards the boundary where only Devontae Parker could get it, or at least throwing it high where Parker could try to high point the ball and have a chance at it. He he badly underthrew the ball towards the inside where only the defender had a chance to get it. But the fact is, is that Devontae Parker is just a non-factor unless, unless they're just throwing the, the jump ball to him on the boundary He's just a very limited player. He's the guy that doesn't need to be on the field very much. And 
if him being on the field is taking snaps away from Albert Wilson, who right now is your team's leading receiver and by far and away your team's most electric playmaker, then that just doesn't make any sense. This guy has to be on the field, if not every play, at least 75% of the offensive snaps. Yeah, I, I find it really difficult to argue with that fact. I, I, Albert Wilson is really making a name for himself, and he is becoming uh, a fan favorite. And, you know, like you said, he's, I think, the leading receiver for this team right now. At this point, he is. Because at, at one point in the game, Kenny Stills, I think it was after the two-point conversion. Kenny Stills made the two-point conversion, and they flashed the stat that Kenny Stills at that point had 241 yards receiving which was the which made him the Dolphins leading receiver at this point and I thought that's unbelievable that we're in the fourth quarter of the sixth game of the season and that a uh, 240 yards is leading us in receiving and then you know uh, a couple of big Albert Wilson plays later and now Albert Wilson has I believe 370 y- yards receiving because uh he just absolutely exploded in the fourth quarter he did another guy who really we need to shout out here because a really great sneaky performance and has really like just jumped right into this team and become a part of this offense. How about Nick O'Leary? The young tight end coming in has four receptions for 49 yards, including a touchdown. He's suddenly more involved in this offense than Mike Kosicki is, um, which was just a really interesting, interesting fact and just really great to see Nick O'Leary just, as though he had been part of this offense all along. A great performance uh, for the young tight end here today on just what turns out to be a very happy day for the Miami Dolphins uh, as they get the big win and go to 4-2. and two. Brain, should we hear what the people had to say about all of this? Yeah, let's say hello to the people and see what the people have to say. We've got a, a lot of comments. You can always tweet at us uh, at same old dolphins. A lot of you have been joining us in conversation today. Uh, at Noah's a dork says this team had multiple opportunities to fold up shop in the second half, but they still kept fighting and making plays. That's really true. Uh, you really thought that this game was for sure going to be all over when Kenyon Drake fumbled that ball. You really thought for sure it was going to be all over when when the Bears kept scoring in the second half. I thought the game was all over in the second half. I sh- I'm sure I sent you a text at some point. It may have been when the Bears scored their third touchdown. I was like, that's it. It's over. I think you I think you sent the text at 14 to 7 actually. Yeah, it it was just <laughs> after the after the uh interception and then the the touchdown on like the very next play. You really felt it going it, like it maybe that was like I really felt like maybe this was going that way but this team continued to fight and ended up getting turning it around. So, yeah, absolutely. This team has some fight in them. That is to for be, sure. To be fair though, they look, they showed fight and they deserved to be credit. They didn't quit like they did in the New England game. They really should have lost the game, though. They really, the they Bears, really should have. The Bears had game one multiple times, really. If, if Trubisky doesn't throw that interception in the end zone, the Bears win the game. I, I'm almost certain if they kick a field goal there, they're winning the game. Uh, obviously, they had the field goal attempt that was literally to win the game that they missed. Um, so yeah, we, we, we didn't quit and we found a way to win, 
but the Bears really gave us the game. And also, Tariq Cohen gave a you know gave us a a big time fumble too. Gave us an opportunity. I mean, there were they're just neither team wanted to win this game. But one of neither them did. Gave up. But one but of them did. But one yeah. of these teams did win, and that team is the Miami Dolphins. Um, at the Dolphins' end zone says uh, one of the things that we talked about earlier, this offense is the same with or without Tannehill. I'd absolutely agree with that. At Timothy Butts Sr. says they need to have a dolphin simulator at every theme park because watching their games is like being on a roller coaster. I really like the way Brock handled the game. Offensive line played excellent. I mean, if they had that as a, as a ride at a theme park, I'd feel terrible for anybody that would spend three hours. <laughs> because a three hour three hour dolphin simulator at Universal Studios. Because I've been doing this for a long time, and the vast majority of the time it has been torture. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> but you know what? There are people that are into that. And so to each their own. Yeah, I mean, I'd prefer yeah, you know, well, we won't get into that, but you know, you could Probably spend less money on on a dominatrix than you would at a at a theme park. Stacy Armantrout for sure. Stacy Armantrout had a tweet for us at SJ Armantrout. She says zero sacks given up, ran it well. The defense produced turnovers. They absolutely did. They came up big. They came up big. We knew that the Bears were going to be capable of of making some mistakes, and we saw that Mitchell Trubisky made some. He, I think, I would, I have to say that Trubisky looked better than I expected him to. He does have that he does have the ability to make those mistakes every now and again. Um he really tried to jam in that pass into the end zone that the Dolphins ended up picking off. But uh you got to say that the Trubisky I think is definitely uh he is he's the real deal over there in Chicago. I don't know. I I don't I, think I, so. I, I I like I, I like Trubisky so far. I mean so he far. picked on he picked on a on a on the Dolphins really like number 4 corner. Uh, he's not, I mean, he, he hit a couple of deep throws and that was about it. I mean, the majority of his throws other than the, other than the couple of deep throws were little dump offs and and very easy throws. And then when he had to step up and make a throw over the middle of the field, uh, he, he was mistake prone and, and he actually, he almost threw a really terrible interception, one that Rashad Jones dropped where he's going across his body and he's just lobbing the ball into double coverage. I mean, he's not a a good decision maker. He's not there's nothing especially great about. It. I think I think he's very Tannehill-esque. That is I don't think he's the that real is a brutal deal. a brutal assessment of Mitch Trubisky. I think that's what he is. I think he's very Tannehill-esque. I mean, Fair enough. he could put up some good stats if if he's throwing like a six-yard pass that turns into a 50-yard touchdown, which is what Ryan Tannehill did uh, against the Oakland Raiders and made everybody think that he was somehow for real. Well, let's uh, go. Let's keep uh, going on. We've got a few more thoughts here from our from our listeners. At Tall Guitar Rob says, "Got to go with Brock until Tannehill heals." Like in six weeks. I mean, listen, as I said earlier in the show, if Tannehill's not going to be ready to go, if he's not feeling fully ready, if he's not at 
Brock Osweiler showed us today that he's capable of leading this team. Um, he he really did, I thought, a very nice job of stepping right up and and controlling this offense and running this offense the way that you would expect any starting quarterback to do it. So I I, I you think Gase obviously has familiarity and comfort with Brock Osweiler. That's why he was your number two quarterback, um, and that's part of the reason that they. I, I would assume that they didn't draft a quarterback, uh, something I still think they should have done. But uh, regardless, Gase has faith in Osweiler. And like I said, I think if if Tannehill's not ready to go, Gase is going to feel comfortable holding Tannehill out a little bit longer and letting Osweiler run the show for a little bit. And, you know, we've seen that the Dolphins aren't going to drop off too much from that. At Austin D one three one six says, "What a game, especially by Osweiler in the offense. The team needs to get better with the adjustments in the second half. But overall, Tannehill is still the quarterback. It is a good win to gain momentum going into two winnable games. I agree with that. I think the big point here being that the team needs to make adjustments in the second half, and that's true. That's something that we've seen is that the teams that the Dolphins go up against are often." more than capable of making key adjustments. And the Bears certainly did that in the second half in this game. They made the adjustments that they needed to to figure out what the Dolphins were doing defensively, and they found their way to start carving up the Dolphins' defense. The Dolphins, on the other hand, it took them a lot longer to figure out what adjustments they needed to make offensively. And they, I mean, really, you might say that they never really made the defensive adjustments uh in that in that second half. Yes, they did make a couple of big plays. They coupled they, you know, they forced a fumble and they took advantage of a bad Mitch Trubisky pass, but the defense never really adjusted in that second half to to what the Bears were doing. So I'd agree with Austin's point there. And finally, from at Blue Hawks 13, he says, still trying to breathe. Lol. Great job. Honestly, never giving up. I love this never say die culture. And that is, in fact, something very different than what we've seen in the past from Miami Dolphins team. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling, you, you know, you don't want to get too crazy, right? You don't want to go too nuts here because it's been, it's been a, uh, a roller coaster ride of a season so far. And there are probably more twists and turns to come, but. All that being said, the Dolphins have done what they needed to do to win four football games, and they've only lost two, and so they find themselves in a decent spot, and you know who knows? At the end of the night, they may be in sole possession of first place in the AFC East, so you know, not to fret. Yeah, there's there's going to be plenty of things to worry about. What is what is the prognosis on Tannehill long term? Is there in fact a quarterback controversy? I'm sure we're going to be having that conversation over the next few days, even if Tannehill is edging closer towards uh, being game ready. But you know, listen, I don't think too many people expected the Dolphins to be four and two at this point, and here we are, right where we were last year. That's that's a terrifying thing to think about. It's it's the truth, and that's where you got to keep it in perspective. Before you start going crazy, it's a long season, and the narratives change every week, and that's why you've got to be on an even keel. You can't get too high uh, with these wins, and you can't get too low with these losses. I still think this is it, it, this team is is no different than we thought they were. 
but they're still a team that has a ceiling of being a playoff team, even though they're not going to contend for anything. Um, and the floor of being basically what they were last year, but you want to see, can they hit their ceiling? Can this team who some people thought was one of the five worst teams in the, in the national football league. And at this point you would say, clearly they are not. Can this team avoid their, not just avoid their floor, but can they hit their ceiling? And I think that's where you start judging Adam Gase. And I know that we've been down on Gase after the last two weeks. And I don't know that he did a whole lot in this game to really change that. But at the end of the day, what he's going to be judged by is his win-loss record. And this was a big win. And so, uh, look, they got to come out. If they come out ready to play next week, a home game against Detroit, it's a game that they should win. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but... I think you're you're looking at a team that it at their very best is probably just as good as you. Um, so it's an even matchup, and you get them at home. Uh, granted, they're coming off of a bye, so that that may be a slight advantage. But hey, the Bears were coming off of a bye, and that didn't seem to really affect us in one way or another. So this is an opportunity now for the Dolphins. We've talked about how their schedule in the second half is brutal. Well. You can soften the blow of that by taking care of business in the first half of your schedule. And if they can get to five and two, then I think they put themselves in a position where they can make a serious run at the playoffs. Uh, I think if they if they move into that second half of the schedule and there's they're at like four and four, uh, four and five, five and four team, then I think they're going to end up where kind of we thought they would around that seven and nine, maybe eight and eight mark. But if they can really take care of business here and take care of the fact that the schedule is favorable to them right now, you know, I I think they put themselves in position to be, to be a playoff team. Well, and that's, that's the thing. The, the NFL is all about just piling up wins where you can, especially if you're a team like the dolphins that isn't, a great team by any stretch of the imagination. They're not a team that you would consider a great team. They're not a dominant team, but they're they're one of those teams in the middle, right? We say this how how many times have we said this? There's always a few, like one of the twenty. Exactly. There's there's like four or five teams that are that are the very good teams. There's four or five teams that are very very bad, and everybody else is right in the middle, and they're all in that range of where they could finish six and 10 or 10 and six, depending on which way some of those close games go. And the Dolphins now have found themselves in a situation where they've won the close, where they've won some close games. And this one thing you can say about Adam Gase, you can say what you want about his play calling, but he's got a very good record in games decided by one score or less. I think they're now like 17 and five or something like that in, in games decided by one score or less with Adam Gase as their coach. Sounds about right. At some point they're going to need to figure out how to win on the road. They're going to need to figure out how to play better on the road because for whatever reason they cannot score on the road and they just, they're, they're a completely different team. If they could figure out that and still continue to be a a quality home team, um, then I think they might be onto something, but 
until they figure out how to win on the road, I think they stay one of the 20, just a mediocre team. Yeah, I could I could agree with that. But in the meantime, we're going to celebrate this victory. The Dolphins are 4-2. and two. They're on top Woo! of the AFC East. And uh, we're moving forward. It's a good time. It's a good day to be a Miami Dolphin fan. So, Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And you can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. The show is on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts. We hope that you will do that, especially if you are one of our new listeners. We hope you'll leave us a nice positive review and a five-star rating. We appreciate it, and it helps others discover the show. You can also uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash same old dolphins. We're over there. And of course, I'd be remiss to mention that we are now part of the dolphinstalk.com podcast network. You can hear every episode of the same old dolphin show at dolphinstalk.com. That is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure that you uh, visit dolphinstalk.com before you go to bed tonight. Anyway, thank you for listening to the show. We will be back with you later this week to preview the Dolphins' upcoming game against the Detroit Lions. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the